I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And we're from the Spy Hards Movie Podcast. That's right. And you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that has a license to thrill. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I am joined by Ethan Colburn from Cinefleck. Hey Ethan, thanks for being here. How are you doing? Hey Marv, thank you so much for having me back on. It's 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 great to chat with you. Thanks very much, you too. So, how were you first introduced to podcasting? Uh, my first introduction to podcasting myself, or like my first introduction to listening to podcasts to listening to podcasts okay well i i've been i've been listening to podcasts for i want to say like four or five years or so but um I, i've really gotten into film in the last like three years you know and so i've been pretty active on a site called letterbox and i held up a following on that and so that kind of gave me the confidence to start a podcast and realize that people are like at least somewhat interested in the things i had to say how I started the podcast in July, and um, I've just kind of built up an audience um, from that. It's been really fun. That's cool. So I'm thinking that most of the people that you have on are friends. So how do you choose which friends to have on the show, and how do you get them onto it? Um, so at first I thought it was going to be something where I cycled through like five people and then after that I'd be struggling to try to find people to come on the show but luckily I've been overwhelmed by people wanting to come on the show so I've had to say no more than I've had to reach out which has been a good thing overall but um I started out with some friends and then like I said I'm pretty active on Letterboxd and so that has like a large community of people who like movies and stuff and so um I've gotten a lot of my guests from that site and um just close friends of mine yeah i mean it's um it's not been too hard to get people to come on because like i don't want to have people on that are like only experts and so i just like if someone likes a movie that doesn't know that much about cinema in general like i I don't mind that either and so i'm not too picky and i think the goal is to have a fun time so i actually haven't had trouble finding people to come on the show at all which has been awesome cool i think uh, letterboxd is great as well i've got it as well yeah yeah super fun it's fun it is it's a great it's a great crew of people yeah it's like a social network for people that love films but you've not got all that 
um, negativity that you get on Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. Yeah, totally. It seems like it seems like the most um, friendly form of social media I've, I've been on, which is nice. It seems like I get so sick of Instagram and Facebook sometimes because you just get so much so much anger. And so I think it just tends to be like a happier um, place for me, at least. I mean, I mean, social media itself is a problem, I guess. But um, yeah, it's happier than some of the other sites, I'd say. Yeah, and I think some of the other sites have got worse with the COVID because people are stuck indoors and yeah, totally irritated. That irritation is getting bigger on on the sites. Yeah, absolutely. Is it like something that's come from the um, lockdown? Is that how you got the time to start your show up and why it started up, or were you thinking about it anyway? So I'd been thinking about it for years, actually. It's just, it's just, it's lockdown and extra time on my hands that, like, I, I just felt like it was a good time to start it, you know. So it was something I was thinking about for a while and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to have like casual conversations with um, friends and stuff, and then it just got a lot larger than I ever thought it would. And so I've been able to like book guests that I really like and stuff, which has been super fun. Um, I just talked to the star of one of my favorite movies last week, so that was amazing. Well, it was it was a couple weeks ago, but yeah. Cool. And you've got that lined up for coming out soon, then I'm guessing. Yeah, so I put that one out. That's the Ping John Malkovich episode. Okay. Um, I talked to Jared Gilman, who's the star of Moonrise Kingdom, which is one of my favorite movies. But uh, I had a great time with him. Brilliant. Well, great, great that you could talk to people like that. Yeah, for sure. Good thing about yours and other people's shows that are similar in a way is that it's it's like the thing of where you go and watch a film with your friends and then you talk about it for ages. It's almost got that sort of feeling to it. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of the vibe I wanted to have on the show. So I'm glad it kind of has that. <laughs> it's been it's been a good time. And the pretty um, decent length shows as well. It's a nice length just to be able to relax for an hour, an hour and a half, rather than, you know, because some, some shows you can listen to and they can last for about three hours. Yeah, definitely. I didn't want the length to be too daunting, you know, so yeah, figured that was a good kind of tight time limit. But I mean, the nice thing about podcasts is it can always go long if you want it to. And like, if you want to, if the conversation is short and good, you can leave it at that. It just, it is whatever length you want it to be, which is nice. So what would you say is your go-to genre of film then, Ethan? See, I try to find things that I appreciate in all genres, but I'd say, I mean, like, especially for my age, the things that I probably watch a lot more of than other people are probably like the classics. Like I watched just a lot of old Hollywood stuff. I used to work in a movie theater that had played a bunch of old Hollywood stuff. So I used to work at this theater that would do like a Hitchcock festival and um, they do like a Hogart Festival, they kind of go on certain themes. And so it was really a great and um, formative experience to see these things on the big screen. Because I think if your first experience seeing a movie from the 40s at home, I think it can seem stale. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's a joy to see them on the big screen. And like, if you ever have the opportunity, I highly recommend it. But um, yeah, I think that's sort of like a comfort zone for me. So I watch a lot of old Hollywood stuff. And then I have like a Criterion channel subscription as well and so i've seen a lot of like the old stuff from like japan and france on there as well so what would you say is your favorite film then harold and Maude is my go-to answer on that <laughs> okay i love that movie 
sometimes it's difficult to explain these things, but what is it about that film that, that you get lost in? Um, I think part of it is that I, I saw it at the right age. I saw it at like 18. Um, and it just really hit me because I hadn't really seen anything like it. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, it's about a 20-year-old or so who fakes his own suicide to get his mom's attention. And he's obsessed with like death and he goes to funerals on his free time and stuff. And then he meets this 80-year-old um, played by Ruth Gordon, who's like so good in the movie. And, um, and they strike up a friendship and eventually fall in love. Like it's a really odd story, but I think it's about learning how to live your life. And I think, um, I wasn't the happiest high school kid. And, um, I think it just hit me at the right time. And it's about appreciating what life has to offer and, um, and sort of finding your own unique niche and embracing yourself. And I think that just hit me at the right time. That's great. That's great. Thank you. So your show, has it got a specific structure that you have for every episode or is it pretty much free form? So I, I think, I, I think if there's one thing I need to probably like hone in on is the structure. Um, it does tend to be pretty free form. What I've been doing recently is I kind of, for like the first um, probably 20 episodes or so, I was doing like a draft where we'd either draft like our favorite characters or our favorite scenes. And so that sort of allowed us to sort of touch on all the aspects that, that we loved of the movie. Um, now I'm sort of thinking it might be helpful to have sort of more of a layout of questions that I ask every time, but like sometimes like, like the conversations just going about a certain movie, like we're just diving into something. And so I, I just sort of toss out the draft and toss out everything um, and just kind of dive into that conversation because it's just on a roll. It kind of depends on the podcast, but I don't tend to be a very structured person in my, in my daily life. I'm bad with uh, scheduling. So, I mean, like if there's, if there's one thing I think I could probably hone in on would be, would be, um, would be like a structure for the podcast. So before you do the show, what sort of research do you do? Do you just watch the film or do you look up facts to get some information ready? So, I find that the most efficient way to kind of do other research is just like the IMDb trivia section um, yep. tends to have just like a ton of great info on the movie. They, they pull from other websites and pretty bite-sized too. So, I mean, if there's, if there's something that I'm really, that I'm really interested in, like I listened to this great Harold Ramis interview right before my Groundhog Day episode. So occasionally like I'll dive into interviews or other, other sources, but it tends to be, um, I'll watch the movie and sort of read the trivia section to get some sense of like the background of production and stuff. And that's always fun to just kind of drop in a few random facts here and there and all that as well. Yeah. Like the troubles that he had with the old dream is the director and all that, because you went into that as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 They, they, they didn't speak to each other for a long time. No, which is a shame because they were such incredible friends up until that point as well. It's, it's terrible that, that that happened that way. Yeah, I believe I believe they sort of made amends prior to Ramus's death, but uh yeah, it's it seems odd because they both they're both very well liked in Hollywood, so I mean, yeah, it does it does seem odd, but yeah, they they did not get along. No. I think like uh, was it yourself or your guest who mentioned that 
the fact that they were constantly filming the same scene over and over again to get those different variations that that must have been really really difficult and almost mentally draining i suppose to to have done that constantly over and over yeah yeah i think i mentioned that that was it just it probably felt like they were living in their own groundhog day just just repeatedly shooting the same things i'd imagine it it would be quite tedious and then to only like exist in that small town for that time too to only to only be in that in that basically that town square and not not much else so when you've got the show because i mean in some ways i was saying to someone in a previous episode we were saying that the easy part in a way is the recording of the show and then the tough part is when you get to the editing of the show so how do you decide what goes into the show and what you don't put in the show and basically what how do you actually edit a show together and the and put it out there yeah that's a good question i mean so it really depends like how the conversation goes because there's a few things that i just like initially look for like if someone makes a joke that just doesn't come off or someone like loses their train of thought or there's something that just doesn't that just doesn't work that well i'll cut that out my goal is to like make both me and my guest look smart right yeah yeah <laughs> so i always try to do that um and I mean, like I have a stutter, which usually is not a problem, but like I'll occasionally edit it if I'm stuttering for like a long period of time, which I mean, probably happens a few times an episode. Um, and then other than that, uh, it's just about like, I, I usually shoot to get an episode to like an hour 10. It's usually like my ideal length. I find that that's a good length that people still listen, but they like get enough of what they what what they want from the show so um beyond that like if if we're just kind of going down a long tangent that we find interesting but i'm like this might be too esoteric for my audience like i'll i'll tend to trim 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 that out so a lot of it after that point is getting it down to a length and then also i guess just um yeah just if someone's taking a long time getting to their point just distilling a point to actually what they're trying to say so if someone if someone takes a long time to, yeah, like I'm doing now, like I'm repeating myself, I'd probably edit that. <laughs> but, but I mean, you see what I mean. <laughs> so when you do your show, what, uh, what's your opinion on mm-hmm. clips from films, if you use them at all? And, uh, and also the show music and uh, uh, what's your, you know, what's your schedule with that or how do you do those things? Yeah. So my, so the first episode I did, I put like, clips of the scenes that we're referencing throughout i got i got some feedback saying like that sort of took people out of the conversation so i stopped doing that okay for a long time i put like a trailer in between my intro and the interview just to kind of like orient people on the on the movie itself um i tend to like i tend to just pull an old trailer off youtube and then just try to edit that trailer down to be like be like 45 seconds or so just kind of like find a section of that trailer that was super essential um, but what's, what's interesting is you can see on, on Spotify, uh, like, like the retention throughout, throughout an episode. So what I found was a lot of people were skipping through, um, the trailer section of the podcast and then going right to the interview. And from what I heard, people just, pe- people just like, it wasn't really necessary for people. So 
after that point, I just tried to fade right into the interview. So I was using trailers for a long time, but then after that, I kind of let that go. Okay. Um, I've never looked at the uh, Spotify. I didn't know that it did that. Uh, so perhaps I shouldn't, or maybe I should look at that for my own <laughs> information as well. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Like some of them are kind of a bummer because I'm just like, no one on Spotify listened to this episode past like the 45 minute mark or whatever. I'm like, oh gosh, I hope someone heard that. But retention stuff tells you like, well, I mean, there's a certain number of people that click on each episode, but like how many people really stay through the whole podcast and like what podcasts are the most engaging to people, which, which is, is really helpful feedback for me. Okay. So how do you get those numbers then? Do you just go to sign on to your Spotify and look them up on your account or what? How do, how do you get those? Yeah, I believe, I believe you have to like claim your RSS feed with, with Spotify, but there's a, it's, it's um podcasters.spotify.com. And then if you log on there, they should have like instructions and stuff. And then they have a bunch of analytics information, like what musicians your fans tend to listen to as well, which I always find interesting, like stuff like that. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of interesting analytics on there. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So what new films are you personally looking forward to when cinemas reopen? That's a good question. Um, let me think. I, I mean, I'm dying to see Wes Anderson's new movie, the French dispatch though, for a number of reasons, I'm, I'm, I'm worried it won't, it won't live up to expectations. So, <laughs> so there's that, but I mean, I, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. I'm really excited for that one. There's a lot of just like little projects that, gosh, I've just gotten delayed either because like their production schedule was delayed because of COVID or, or because um, they're trying to wait for normal box office numbers. But Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, I'm also really excited for um, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Um, um, Dune obviously is going to be, is going to be spectacular, hopefully. So there, there's a lot, there, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. I'm, I'm hoping for a normal movie year at least in 2022, but but we'll we'll see how it all, how it all plays out. Okay, is there an actual genre of films that you're not particularly fond of, or or you completely wide open and would watch anything no matter what? Hmm. Well, I I mean, like my film's taste tends to be pretty eclectic. Like yep. I I'd say that there's at least there's probably at least a movie in every genre that I've rated like a 10 out of 10. So there's definitely like, I definitely love pieces of every genre. I think, I think if there's a genre that I struggle the most with, it's probably like old Westerns. Um, and that's with some major exceptions. Like I adore high noon, but um, I think if there's, I think if there's a genre I struggle with the most, it's probably, it's probably like old Hollywood Westerns. Okay. So have you ever felt like leaving the cinema because the film that you've gone to watch just wasn't there for you? <laughs> um, the only time I've ever walked out on a movie was uh, James Franco's Palo Alto, which like f- for like a number of reasons. I mean, like I, I, I'm currently in Palo Alto. I grew up in Palo Alto and <clears throat> not only did I feel like it just didn't, didn't capture the, um, the town at all, but it was really, really self-indulgent and just, slow and painful for me and i just i was just like what is this crap that he's that he's (laughs) that he's putting out and and um so that's the only movie i've ever walked out on other than that like i tend to rate things pretty highly but i think it's because i tend to have a good um i think it's because i tend to have a good idea of what i'm going to like going in so i tend to avoid movies that i'm not going to like 
for the most part. And so, I mean, I don't remember another time I've really had an urge to walk out, though I'm sure it's happened. Have you got a favorite comedy film? A favorite comedy? Yeah. Um, well, Harold and Maude's my number one. That's, that's, that's kind of a dark comedy. Yep. Um, in terms of in terms of other like dark comedies like Little Miss Sunshine is very high on my list. Um, I tend to go for kind of you know dark kind of messed up family kind of stuff. I don't know for whatever reason it's just it's just a it's just kind of a fun genre for me. And then uh, in terms of more like a laugh out loud comedy like Office Space always gets me. I I, I adore that yes. movie and um, yeah. Step Brothers too. I mean you can't you can't really go wrong with Step Brothers. That's that that's a classic around the house. You you've called out one of our favorites there with Office Space. I love that film. It's, it's brilliant oh yeah office space is lovely yeah (laughs) yeah and then and then mike judge went on to direct um telecon valley and stuff so so you definitely get a lot of that in that in that tv show it's a really it's a really funny show absolutely absolutely so do you think there are any films that are overhyped and when you've gone to watch them they've been slightly disappointing um well i sort of i'll sort of answer this question in two parts like in terms of movies, um, movies that that were overhyped that I was disappointed by because of like the hype around them, like Bohemian Rhapsody is the first that comes to mind. Um, it just it felt very uh, like corporate and sanitized to me, and it was uh, like I, I was just really disappointed by the way they sort of they took Freddie Mercury's legacy, and it seemed like so much of the movie was taken up by by Queen's current bandmates, specifically Brian May, like trying to claim credit and show that they were like a major part of the band and everything. So I like, there were just a number of reasons that I was just, I was just really shocked by how, how bad it was and how much people liked it. So, um, and, and and then in terms of just a movie that I think I overhyped myself, um, I was really excited for Mank for a number of reasons. Love David Fincher. And I was like, how, how could this go wrong? Like, this is going to be like the best movie of the decade. (laughs) You know, like I really, I really kind of held it up myself, but, um, and that one, like, I, d- I still don't think it's a bad movie, but I, I definitely, I definitely built up a lot of expectations that that weren't able to be met because it's, it's just, a, it's a bizarre movie that, um, it's quite slow and uh, kind of meandering, which I wasn't expecting because his movies are usually very tight. Yeah, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that film there, um, I had, I had a few problems with that from a personal point of view as a fan of Queen. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and something that I have a problem with, and I don't, I don't know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's one that a lot of people have a problem with, is historical inaccuracy, where they'll say that certain things happened at this time and they didn't, and so that might be just something that that's a problem with me. But there were a lot of those uh, inaccuracies during that film. Yeah, there and are. What about yourself? Do you have the same problem with films like that? Um, <clears throat> I tend to, I tend to forgive certain historical inaccuracies if i don't feel like they're essential to the plot like um i mean occasionally occasionally movies will sort of combine combine multiple characters to make sort of like an amalgamation of 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 sort of like this person's um this person's uh, barriers to success like so something like that i don't i don't i don't mind so much if if it feels like bohemian rhapsody i suppose like it felt um I felt ex- extremely insincere, and I and part of that was just I just don't think you can make 
a movie about Freddie Mercury's life and make it PG 13. I just don't, I just don't think that's possible. And so like these parties that he's having, like my middle school dances look more fun than these parties that he was having. (laughs) Just like a bunch of people standing around with the lights on going like, Hey, you know, it's like, it's just, just wasn't his life. And so, and so like so much of that movie was, was inaccurate that I, that, that, that was definitely a problem with me. Do you think the film focused too much on, uh, the, the, the aspect of, um, of AIDS and his lifestyle as well. And it didn't, it didn't look too much into once you've been introduced to the other members of the band, they were like superfluous characters that were just the, the, the backing to it, you know, um, just there. I mean, like, I, I almost wish they dug more into his lifestyle. I felt like, I felt like they didn't, they didn't really do that, do that justice. Like, like, I mean, I think, I think part of the problem that they faced was because it was an authorized biopic. Freddie Mercury actually never came out officially as gay. And so I think the movie didn't really want to out him. So they had to kind of like be all political and sort of imply it. I think had they, had they dug more into his lifestyle and made it more of like a character study, um, I think it would have worked better than it did actually. Another thing about it being um, authorized by the two remaining members of the band because John Deacon doesn't seem to have much to do it anymore. Um, right. <laughs> the other problem is that they're obviously trying to color themselves in a certain way as well, because they're still around and they're exactly, trying to portray yeah. sort of certain image, you know, so they've got questionable, you know, things in their past, but that's being sort of like, <coughs> no, it's not, it's not even being covered yeah. in the actual film itself. It's like, look, we'll just, we're just going to talk, talk about Freddie don't mention that we had any problems with us that would have caused problems as well. It's like the, yeah, basically covering up all of that and it's trying to make themselves out to be almost better than, than, than they were really. And yeah, purer than pure, shall we say? Totally. Totally. That was a major problem for, 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 for me, for sure. I mean, like, um, well, like I specifically remember some of like the recording studio scenes in that movie that, that felt like, every bandmate trying to claim credit for the part of the song, that you know, so like Brian May's like, Oh, like let's do the boom, boom clap with, we will rock you. And then everyone's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Brian May, like you came up with that. And it's like, like there's so many scenes in the movie that are just, let's just set the record straight on all this, but it doesn't, I mean, yeah, it, it, it feels like, it feels like queen ink, not, not, not Freddie Mercury's biopic. I, 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 I heard this interview with, with, um, with Tasha Baron Cohen. Cause he was trying to get the movie made for a while where he had, he had a great script and came to queen with it. And queen was like, well, that's a great, that's a great story. But what about the second half? And he's like, what, what second half? And they're like, Oh, you know, the second half where like Freddie Mercury's die, like, like Freddie Mercury dies. And then the, and then the band queen goes on and wants to watch a movie about queen without Freddie Mercury. Like, what are you talking about? So that's, that's part of like the reason um, this movie was stuck, stuck in development hell for so long was because, there were so many nitpicks about what, what needed to be there. And it's art by committee is what I'm trying to say, basically. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, we, yep, yeah, sure. We, we know that these people, they wrote those songs. So yep. Yeah, Brian may wrote, uh, we will rock you with that being the intention, the intention of it. And John Deacon wrote, um, wrote this and yep. Yeah, Roger Taylor wrote, I'm in love with my car, but right. Yeah, right. You, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like, if they did a Beatles one and it was authorized by Paul and Bringo and everybody, you'd have all these sequences where you'd just have loads of sequences where Paul McCartney's playing 90% of the instruments, you know, and 
you know, because he's going, well, I totally, did all this, you know. Totally. And we're like, well, well yeah, we know that you did all that, but <laughs> you don't have to push it home, you know. I'd like to think that Paul McCartney has less of an ego than Brian May, but uh, but you never really know how that how that would turn out, I guess. No. What's your view on a reboot or a remade film, especially classic films? Hmm. Um, it really depends on the remake, honestly. I mean, like it's hard to sort of criticize that as sort of a general point because it's so much of what Hollywood's doing now that you'd kind of have to write off just a huge portion of the kinds of movies that are coming out. I mean, personally, like I tend to prefer original stories. Like I tend to, I tend to want to see something different. I mean, for me, it comes down to like, are you just trying to like cash in on something that's worked before? Like, are you taking some IP that people care about and only making the movie as, as a cash grab as I mean, kind of like what Disney's doing with home alone or star Wars or any of their current IP, or are you trying to make something like really artistic? Like Mad Max Fury Road is kind of an example that people bring up as, you know, I mean, it's a reboot and it's an amazing action movie that only like expands on the original universe that it was set in. So I kind of, I get frustrated with, with reboots, but I, I, I don't really feel like I can write them off as a, as a section of movies, if that makes sense. Sorry. I forgot to ask this earlier on. Where does the name Cineflex come from? Oh, no worries. Oh, that's a good question. I, um, I came up with that like freshman year of college when I like started a little blog online. It comes from um, cinematic reflections, and then and then when I started a podcast, I was thinking about renaming it. I a number a number of names came to mind, but the the thing I liked about Cineflex is even though sometimes people have to ask me how to spell it, um, it's it's eight letters, and if you search those eight letters on any podcasting site, I'm the first I'm the first podcast that comes up. So I know a lot of people that have podcast names that are like you know, like super cool movie podcast or like, or like something movie podcast. And then, and, and then you've got all these words. And and sometimes if you're searching it, you don't really know which one is the, is the one you're supposed to click on. So I, I like that. It's, I like that. It's a single word that, that you can, that you can search for pretty easily. Yeah. That makes complete sense. That does. It's like, um, like I said, everybody does this thing called blah, 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 film podcast yeah. or whatever. And, your sort of like stands out as being different because it's not got that to it. It's got something that's sort of like short, snappy, and uh, got a hook to it. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the cinema in it, it kind of implies it's about movies. So you don't, I mean, you, you get, you get some sense that you're going to be talking about movies, but, uh, but yeah, without, without it being too wordy, which is kind of why, why I ended up kind of sticking with that name. Do you prefer to go and see a film alone or do you prefer to go and see films with your friends? Um, I, I tend to be very lazy if I'm on my own. So like if, if I don't have plans with people, like there's not a lot that's pushing me to get out of the house, (laughs) but, um, so I, I tend to see movies with friends. However, like the experiences I've, I've had alone in a movie theater have often been spectacular. So I, I don't tend to see movies alone very often, but when I do, it tends to be pretty rewarding. Okay. Um, we, we have this thing in the UK that's called screen on scene. And the idea is that you, you don't know how much, no, we do know how much, you don't know what film you're going to see, 
but it's, it doesn't cost as much as a normal ticket to go and see a film. Oh, interesting. But like I said, you have no idea what the film is. <laughs> so have you ever, you know, what's, what's your opinion on going to see a film that you have absolutely no knowledge of beforehand? And have you actually gone to see a film not knowing what you're going to see? I've never gone to a movie not knowing, like, the title of the movie. But I have had some great experiences going in blind uh, to a movie if I if I if I sort of trust the people that have recommended it. So so occasionally, like I'll, I mean, it's kind of what happened when I got my virtual ticket to Sundance this year. I mean, like you don't really know anything about those movies other than other than like a brief blurb of like what it's about. And so I'm I'm definitely good going in blind to things, but. Again, I do. I do think I avoid things that I don't think I'll like, and so I would probably, I would probably be nervous to go in blind to a movie on like something like Screen Unseen, just because I'd be worried that that the movie theaters were trying to like push tickets out on you that like weren't selling or something. <laughs> I'd probably be nervous about that, but uh, but. Yeah, I mean, like I do, I do tend to have some great experiences going in blind to movies. Yeah, that uh, that experience that we've had with the uh, screen on scene, we said we uh, we saw a couple of films in that that we thought were really good. We saw a uh, Black Mass with the uh, oh, yeah. Depp, and uh, which uh, we thought was, uh, was really good, good things. But even better than that, American Animals, American Animals. I think that stars Evan Peters. That is a really good film. Oh, uh, fine. I don't know if you know anything about that. I don't. I don't know anything about that. Uh, I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to check that out. So it's um. It's American Animals, you said. It is American Animals, and I think it stars. Ooh, yeah, I'll Peters. take that out. It's about uh, these uh, high school kids. They um, they find out that there's a book in the library, and it's based on a true story. It's in the uh, the library of the high school or the university, and they decide to uh, try and steal it so that they can sell it to make the thousands that the book is worth. And the name of the book is. Oh, I think cool. It's called American Animals. It's a oh, relatively cool. famous book about uh, about the history of animals in America. Neat, neat. Yeah, I'd love to check that out. I haven't I haven't heard much about that. Would you go and see a film that had a really bad review, even if somebody gave you a free ticket? See, this is where, like, I, I, I do still tend to avoid movies that that have bad reviews, with some exceptions. So, I think this all started when, like, I think the catalyst that really got me into kind of like art house and and classic films was just how much time I spent watching just bad rom-coms in my teenage years and I was just sort of like wow that was a waste of time and so and so I sort of cave up on that and, and was like wow I could have watched like Casablanca or like a classic in that amount of time if, if I think it'll be like a dumb comedy that got bad reviews that I think I'll enjoy I'll go see it but if it's bad it has to be something that's either it's either so bad it's good or somehow enjoyable for me i mean like i i saw cats like i i it's a bizarre experience but it was more it was more just because of how crazy of an experience it is so i have to i have to sort of think i'm gonna get something out of it if that makes sense yeah that makes a lot of sense um would you say there are any films that um are overlooked that have been lost lost in time and you think that people should really um watch those films that they might not know about that's a good question um in terms of recent movies i just did a podcast on don't think twice which is a which is a um mike berbiglia movie sort of about these these improv comedians in new york 
that that movie is not is not often uh, talked about, and I think it really has something special to it. Um, I really really love Sullivan's Travels, which is I mean, it's not as if it's not recognized like it's in the AFI top 100, but I think a lot of people don't know what that movie is, and I think and I think it's a movie that like a lot of people would probably connect to if they if they saw it um yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of like quote unquote hidden gems that i think like that i think like film twitter knows about but like the general general public doesn't know about like tampopo is another one that comes to mind which is a movie about it's, a, it's like this 80s movie about about ramen that i just absolutely love <laughs> so i mean there's 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 quite a few out there that that um I, I don't I don't think quite get the recognition that that they deserve. Absolutely, absolutely. That's cool. So, um, what other podcast do you listen to? Um, I listen to like a lot of the Ringers stuff. So, um, like it's a great way for me to keep up with like what's going on in the NBA and stuff. They have like the Ringer NBA show, and they have a spinoff one that's called the Mismatch. Um, both of those I really like, um, and then their movie, their, their, their movie podcast is the big picture, which kind of talks about like the Oscar race and stuff. And, and, um, um, and the rewatchables is also kind of a classic where they delve into older movies, um, that are super rewatchable and kind of break them down with categories and stuff that, that, that was definitely sort of an inspiration for me to start, to start my podcast. Um, other than that, um, in terms of like small podcasts that I love, um, the guys that keeping it real are really nice. I've actually been on their podcast, which was, which was super fun. Um, they've been on your podcast as well. They have, they have, they have, they came on my crown hog day podcast that we're talking about. Uh, the, I think it's the Oscar. Let me just, let me just check on this. I think it's the Oscar Wilde podcast, but let me just check that. I'm, I'm saying that right yeah, it's the Oscar Wilde oh. pod um, where they break down just like just like stuff that they love about the award season and all that um, and past Oscar races. Um, and then Oh No No Brian's show is really is, is is really fun. I've always loved him as like a late night comedian and and he, he has some great guests on as well. So those are those are kind of like my my core few podcasts that I try to keep up with. What advice would you give to people starting in podcasting for the first time? Um, a couple things. I I would say it's it's not it's not as daunting as you think it is. Like, I mean, you kind of you kind of learn as you go. So if you're if you're interested in starting a podcast, just I'd just say dive right in. I mean, if you use Anchor, it, it's a free hosting site, so that it doesn't it doesn't cost you any money up front. Um, which is, which is nice. And then the other thing is just like it, it takes longer to build an audience than you think. So for me, like my first couple shows did really well because I think I had a lot of friends that were like, Oh, like, what is this podcast that Ethan has? Like, let me check it out. Things kind of dipped after that. And I was like, wow, like, you know, maybe people don't like the show. And then, and then after a while, like, you know, I started to just, bring in new people and like occasionally I just get messages from people I 
I haven't met before that are like, wow, I just, I just checked out your episode and I really, really like it. You guys are great and whatever. And like it, it's always, it's always really nice to hear because I don't even know how these people, how these people actually pound the show. So it's, it just, it, it takes a while to build an audience. Um, so be patient with it and, and don't be afraid to make mistakes, I guess, because I mean, you'll, you'll learn a lot more if you're just, if you're just putting out episodes and if you're, trying to um plan what your show's going to be like before anything happens okay thank you very much for that that's great advice that so where can people find out more about cineflake and uh, get hold of you so um so you can find tenreflect on any on any podcasting platforms that's c i n e f l e k um, I'm on Instagram if you want to get in touch at Cineflex Pod or at Cineflex on on Twitter. So, um, so yeah, get in touch with me on any of my social media, and I hope you check out the show. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me, Ethan. Of course, of course, it was lovely. Thank you, Marv. Thank you very much, and thank you everybody for listening, and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Hello. Hello, Ethan. You're okay? Oh, hi, Martin. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Cool. Yeah, yeah um, I'm okay. <laughs> How's things? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It looks like I have to leave in like 30 minutes. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to last longer than that. I, I, I hope that's not a problem. I don't, I don't mean to I didn't throw your whole plans for a loop here. It should. It should be half an hour on the uh, Zoom. I mean, two hours. Okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. It wouldn't let me schedule it, it, one that, that sh- shortly, so I've had to just start one and, yeah. Project, is it right then if I leave early, or should I just hop on the next um, podcast thing you do? What do you mean? Do you mean you, you, you've only got half an hour that you can use? Or, yeah, or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on 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 my end, I've I've got a I've I've got a call. I need to hop on at ten thirty. Right. Okay. Um. Because it's, it's supposed to be a conversation between everybody, isn't it? Really, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, we'll have a proper show where it's just me and you talking about your show. Sometime we'll get more into it in detail then. Yeah, absolutely. So, no. How how are you doing for shows? Are you ahead, or are you doing like a show at a time and then putting it out as you do it, or are you you uh, you know blocking them all and you know storing them all aside? 
Yeah. I mean, for right, right now I've got, um, I've got two shows recorded ahead, but just recently I've been doing two a week just because I have a lot of people that, that, that want to come on fortunately. And like, I have the time to do it. So I'll probably get back to one a week at, at some point, but I have tomorrow's podcast, which I'm, I'm wrapping up editing a little, a little more last minute than I like to usually. And then Mondays, yep. but then, then I'm going back to one a week for a little while. So I have a lot that, that are scheduled ahead, but I don't have a lot right now that are, that are recorded ahead. My, my other half is listening on another set of headphones. What? His accent's so cool. All right. She's saying that your accent is cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't hear often that people like my American accent. That's I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, she says you're from California, so you know. You, you, That's what true. Can you say? That's true. It's a little cooler than the East Coast, I guess. <laughs> That's true. Although it must be really, really cool in New York where they've had the snow. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. I'm thinking yeah. about moving to Boston, so I better I better work on my Boston accent. No, they probably they probably hate that. <laughs> just spend a couple of weeks watching the entirety of cheers and i'm sure you'll be yeah fine. yeah exactly <laughs> totally <laughs> right so let's uh see where we are yeah i think we, we actually surprisingly got a fair bit in didn't we during that little conversation that we did have the last time yeah i believe so yeah because uh, you explained how you're introduced to podcast and the history of the show and the description you gave that only one one response oh, actually wow uh, and then what your favorite genre was and your favorite film, mm -hmm. Har Harold and Maud. Yes. 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 Love Harold and Maud. I've actually, I've actually looked that up. So I know what it's all about. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a, it's a spectacular movie. I highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out yet. Right. Okay. Okay. That's cool. So let's, uh, let's do the introduction and then we'll pick up on the bits that we didn't get. And then, uh, yeah. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Okay. Good. It, it's it's the way of the world, isn't it? So. Now with you know everybody's having to do shows like this with Zoom or whatever. Mind you, it cost me true. fortune in uh, <laughs> fortune in air flights to come over there and interview in person. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That would not be yeah. that would not be very financially practical. <laughs> no, it be it would be fun though. But yes, it would yeah, it would be a good I'd time. I'd go to California. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, it certainly would. Okay, that's good. Um, Actually, my other half showing me some questions to ask you. What we'll do is we'll do the signing out all these bits here, yeah. and then I'll do this after those afterwards as a okay a, uh, as a punching editing. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, all right. Sounds perfect. So, so, how do you think we've done, Ethan? Do you think we've uh, we've got everything there, or do you think there's anything that we need to touch on? I mean, I feel like we covered we covered everything. I. I um, I mean, you had some great questions, so I, I don't, I don't really feel like there's anything that I, that I particularly missed out on uh, saying. But uh, yeah, I felt tight about that personally. Yeah, me too, and uh, I'll just, I'll just mention that uh, I found out that the problem with the audio is actually from my end. It's this headset that I'm using. When oh I'm no! Muted it, there's been no problem at all. Oh, okay. It's, okay. It's not muted. This. Uh, oh yeah, it is doing it now. Yeah, hopefully it won't uh, it won't cause a problem for the uh, for the recording that comes from Zoom. Okay, for sure, for sure. I mean, like I hear a little feedback, but um, I can definitely hear you pretty clearly. So uh, hopefully, hopefully people will be able to 
listen normally and everything. I think I I don't I don't think it'll be a problem. Me neither. And like I said, you know, everybody knows that all these shows are done over Zoom or Zencaster or one of these things anyway, because you can't meet people in person nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, but uh, they've all got fun elements in all of those James Bond films with Sean in and and the ones with Roger as well. True, true. Yeah. Sean Connery. Sure, yeah, will always be a lot of fun in there. Bond. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind, it's kind of unbeatable. I, I actually like. I think Sean Connery is just too iconic. But I hear arguments for Daniel Craig that I think are pretty interesting. I mean, he's definitely made a stamp on the franchise with Casino Royale and Skyfall. I, I think Sean Connery just, just has the edge, um, because of how iconic his stuff is. But Craig is a great actor. Absolutely. And uh, I was only talking to somebody recently about uh, uh, oh, um, Pierce Brosnan as Bond, and and I was saying to them mm. that the unfortunate thing for Pierce Brosnan is, is the fact that he's a really good actor, mm-hmm. and he'd be a really good Bond if only the actual films were better. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. It's um, it's uh, his his movies are not that great, other than golden eye obviously but um but uh i haven't really connected with with his acting style he seems really posy i think a lot of his hiring was in response to how um kind of how badly timothy dalton went over at the at the time though i think he's he's at this point the most underrated bond um i i really enjoyed his his acting the living daylights is a super solid movie Absolutely. I think both of his films are... Uh, I enjoyed them at the time that they came out, personally, because I saw them both at the cinema. But uh, I think, like you said, I think time has been uh, been good to them. So people go back to those now and they'll watch them and they'll go, do you know what? Actually, they're pretty decent films. And yeah, for in, sure. on, simil- it, on a similar vein, I think the same to... Um, I think the same for the uh, George Lazenby film uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service. That's my favorite Bond movie, actually. That's my favorite one. I think that is a really, really good film. And I thought he was, for a person who's not really acted beforehand, I thought he did a really good job with that. I think perhaps the only thing that probably mars it to, or you know, makes people a bit off about it is the fact that I would say I think on a Majesty's Secret Service could be possibly edited here and there, specifically thinking of the bit when he's in the uh, in, when he's in the, the house in the the place on the on the Alps, I think that probably might go on a bit long. So if it trim if the trimmed bits to it, I think it's an absolute. I think people might warm to it a lot more. But personally, it's one of my one of my favorite Bond films. I love that film. Absolutely, I I I love it too. I mean, I mean, like that that ski chase in it is is one of the greatest chases in the franchise, um, and then. Tiana Rigg is my favorite Bond girl as well. I mean, she's like, like they seem like they have genuine chemistry. She's she's sort of she's sort of strong and independent, and and, and obviously they they actually fall in love in the movie. So there, there's a lot of elements that I that I adore about that movie, and it's and it's um and, and like I also feel like they, I feel like the producers just wanted to make the perfect Bond movie to to prove to people that that the franchise could go on without Sean. And to me, they really succeeded in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the thing with it is that 
in a way they took they took a chance with the film because they were in a sense trying to also say look bond films don't always have to follow this specific formula they can be something different and then when they yeah. tried it mm-hmm. it wasn't quite as popular as they thought it would be so then they ended up just going back to what they were doing before and they, they forwarded that path then for the next um 20, 20 years totally 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 i think i think i think for some reason like um Diamonds are forever really kind of set them down this the, this weird this weird path with it's it, it's just it's just like it's it's kind of like the self parodying Bond style which I get kind of frustrated with um, but yeah like I, I I always tend to prefer the slightly grittier and more intense Bonds but um, yeah I mean I, I mean the, the 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 Roger Moore ones had a lot of bad jokes in them for sure yeah but on the on the same in the same thing though Roger Moore. Uh, I agree with you to to a to a certain degree, except for uh, I think they tried again with For Your Eyes Only to do a film that was slightly different to the normal Bond, mm-hmm. and that didn't go over well either. For Your Eyes Only, because of that, and then all of a sudden, after For Your Eyes Only, you have an almost um, uh, almost very oh almost farcical film following that with with the octopus which is a good film but it's got so much humor and it's like the like the take that like the, it's almost like it's a um a mickey take of the of the genre almost you know totally. it's, it's another case of totally they made a really good thriller with for your eyes only they didn't go down like i said and then do you know what? We'll just do the same film as we did before, but slightly alter a few things as we did before. Yeah, I mean, Part of Your Eyes only definitely, definitely. I haven't seen that one in a while, but there's a lot to like about that one. I always love the, the, um, the sort of church on the cliff and all that, and there's and and, and there's and and they're scaling up this cliffside to get to the evil lair. It's it's it, that 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 part's really fun. Like personally, Octopussy just. I think I have a soft. I think I have a soft spot for that because it's it's so ridiculous. Um, it's so. I mean, like I, I don't even know who thought it was a good idea for James Bond to dress up as a clown, but like that somehow happens in a James Bond movie. And and um, yeah. I mean, I mean, for some reason, I think the I, I really hated Diamonds Are Forever on the rewatch, but I I I don't know what it, what it is about Octopussy that I actually do kind of enjoy despite it being so um bizarre <laughs> yeah louise has just asked me to ask you what do you think about alfred hitchcock uh, what's your what's your opinion on hitchcock films oh i love hitchcock i i i adore hitchcock um i've seen i've seen i think 18 of his movies or so i've seen a lot of his movies definitely my most watched character but um i mean I mean, Rear Window is my favorite. I, I I used to work at this movie theater that 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 showed uh, classic movies, which was which was just a great opportunity to see a lot a lot of his works on the big screen. I've probably seen most of them on the big screen at this point. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I I definitely like like really really connect with his movies and and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I. It's it's hard to say he's underrated, but I know a lot of people that still haven't seen a Hitchcock movie, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't people watching these all the time? They're so great. They're so fun. 
Do you know what we should do? We should do a one-off where where me, yourself, and some other film podcast people just do a show all about. Well, we could do a like a top five Hitchcock films, perhaps in the future sometime. Oh yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm always down to talk Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, because Louise has just written down the fact that uh, you can actually see the kid in. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, North by Northwest. You can North see by the, Northwest. North by Northwest. You can see the kid actually cover his ears before the gun goes off. It's so funny. It's so funny that that made it into the final movie. Like, look, like at this point, every, every, every time I rewatch it, I just know like which corner to look in. It's, it's funny. He just plugs his ears. It's like, yeah, it's a great um, blooper that somehow made it in the final cut. Absolutely. But it's also a sign of when the film was made, because if you made that film now and that happened, the filmmakers would give it to somebody with a computer and say, uh, can you just totally. CGI <laughs> out that kid doing that with his hands, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That would not, that would not, um, that, 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 that definitely would not, would, would not make it in today for sure. Absolutely. Anyway, I'll uh, catch up with you again uh, soon, Ethan, if that's fine, if you're okay with that absolutely absolutely and, yeah thank uh, you so much that's great so for a future group uh chat are you, are you open to one of those then or yeah yeah i mean my schedule's getting busier uh upcoming just because i'm i'm kind of ramping up job applications we might be moving soon so i i might i might have to back out but definitely let me know what what you're doing so um yeah I just, I'm, I'm, I might not be free in the next few months. Okay. Thank you very much, Ethan. Thank you for, for your time. You take yeah. care and stay safe. Okay. Absolutely. You too, Marv. It was great talking. It was, it was great talking with you. Okay. Thank you, Ethan. Take care.